Visit WWETVN.com to check out this worldwide exclusive. Welcome to Worldwide Entertainment TV. Pleasure to be here. So could you two women explain who you are to our audience? Sure. Uh, we have a podcast called Alt Possible Meat, where we talk about how countercultures and subcultures, we use the word same. Okay. <laughs> how did you get into the podcast game? It was honestly just one of those moments where two friends reconnect after some time apart, and we just sat down, we remembered how awesome we each other are and we had some similar interests and a couple days go by and Chrissy gives me a call and says hey do you want to work on a podcast and I was looking for a new project to work on and the timing was great and so that's how it started and then pretty much a year later we were releasing our first show and here we are end of 2020 and we finished our very first season okay so What's some highlights from your first season? Oh gosh, I think both of us have very different ideas <laughs> of what our highlights are. Um, oh gosh, well, my for sure, and I think we both will agree on this one, one of our highlights for sure is the DMC episode, which is episode 10. It's with um, DMC, who's from Run DMC. Yeah. Uh, he's one of my favorites. And then the other one that I really, really enjoy is... I love the punk episode with Biff Naked. Also, oh, yeah? Biff, oh. it is a good episode. It's one of my faves. Yeah. It's also two of mine. Mine would be the UFO episodes. Because <laughs> just, they're fun. I just like the topic. Uh, but I also really do love the, re the Run DMC and Biff Naked. But Run DMC is a legend. He's a jazz. Yeah. He's amazing to, to interview and to work with. And for somebody who's that iconic, he has no ego, nothing. It's just, yeah. just really, really, really amazing. So, yeah. So, did you learn anything new about hip hop when you did the interview with him? Well, we're always learning something new. Yeah. That's the thing. It's it's we you we go into a topic because again we're looking at how pop culture is formed. What are the countercultures that are informing it? So every time we go into it, we think we know what's happening, and then we get into the weeds and we realize, oh gosh, there's so many new things that are coming. From Daryl, what I didn't realize was, and this is one of the bits that didn't make it into uh, the episode or show, but you can access it on our Patreon, and he's talking about how punk and hip-hop operated together, and how he was like, if you went to a club in the early 80s and... Who would you see? Like, Disco is dead, and who's there? It's yeah. Run DMC, it's Blondie, it's, you know, uh, the Ramones. And that part really put it all in perspective at how those two culture, cultural products, punk and hip-hop, were sitting in the same space together for a long, long time. And I never really put those two together because I'm always thinking hip-hop was something that was created on Harlem and Bronx, and it yeah. was very separate than what, you know, punk was doing or what disco was doing, when in fact it really wasn't. They were all together, they were all creating. And that's the best thing about But I think probably why I love punk episode and hip-hop episode is just how the two of them are very anti-establishment and how they wanted to change the way that works. Yeah, I agree with Marie on that. And also just listening to Daryl tell his stories about living in Queens, growing up in Queens, and what it was like for him, you know, take, being a little kid, rapping, 
you know, making his first raps, being influenced by DJs, you know, going to the parks and watching all these DJs. And one of my favorite moments was when he talks about how they would all go down to the park in Hollis Queens and yeah. they would, there would be like 2,000 people at the park just like freestyling, like doing like all different elements of hip hop. And then the cops would come and break it up. And then the next day they would go back and do the exact same thing again. So to me, that was that was cool because he paints a really wonderful picture of that time in New York. And yeah. So do you see any similarities? Because he's like a pioneer. So do you see any similarities of how he started his journey and how the journey is now for podcasters in Toronto? Because it's kind of, in the last couple of years, it's kind of booming out for Toronto with Drake putting a new light on the city and everything. Do you think Yeah, like, we talk about that. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, we talk a little bit about new hip-hop as a different influence from what's happening in the scene from where it was in the past. Yeah. And so I think Daryl's not pessimistic on it. I think he's optimistic. And you can listen, you know, listeners here, go and check it out and have your own opinion of what you, what you feel Daryl feels. But I think he's, there are people that are trying to push, you know, the level. There's a band in Ottawa called Black Denim that Daryl worked with, and yeah. they're really, you know, trying to make change and using hip-hop as a voice and making moves in that way, especially in Canada. So I think there are there. We just have to, you know, we have to keep finding them and keep pushing them. And, and once we get out of COVID, this whole new, probably in the next 10 years, we might have this new evolution of hip-hop that comes out of it. So we'll see. I agree with you. You know, it's, it's, it's there. There is some similarities, but there's a lot of differences. Similarities in the sense that you have young artists who are working hard to get their music out and heard. I mean, from a hip-hop perspective. Same from a podcast perspective. We're all doing the same thing. We're going out, we're making the best product we possibly can, and we're yeah. doing our best to share it with other people on different platforms using the best tools that we have available to us. Back in the day, those tools were mixtapes. People had easy access to inexpensive physical hardware called a cassette tape that allowed them to easily duplicate and record their songs and tracks and share them for promotional period uh, promotional purposes. Yeah. We have things like Spotify and we have SoundCloud and we have all these other mediums that allow us to easily and inexpensively reproduce our art and our creative assets and share it with the world with hopes that it gets in the hands of the right person. So, I mean, from that perspective, I think there's similarities. And I think that um, really at the end of the day, it's like, if you just got to explore. Like, I, I feel like in Toronto on occasion, and this is like a, a real reality check here, is like I feel on occasion that we're so used to and set in our ways that we're hesitant to try new cultural products. Yeah. We're hesitant to listen to a new podcast. We're hesitant to try that new artist. But the truth of the matter is, is that you got to consume so, so much these days. And we're consuming so much content on a daily basis. What does it hurt you to say, okay, I am going to listen through all the lists of all the artists that were nominated for a Polaris Prize, right? We're starting with, we're award-nominated artists in Canada. Yeah. I mean, it's not a hard... That's not a hard thing to do. And then on that list, who are you going to discover? My personal favorite, Hawaii Mighty. You know, if you want to go through podcasts, there's yeah. lots of Canadian podcasts. Yeah, I've interviewed her. We've interviewed Hawaii Mighty before. She, oh, yeah, she, she really excelled from the time that we interviewed her. Oh, 
she is. I am so, uh, I'm so heartwarmed to hear that you had a chat with her. Yeah. I think that she's wonderful. Champion is one of my anthems. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> she's, and she's like homegrown talent. And what is she doing? She's a voice. She is bringing back a certain vibe to hip hop that a lot of people felt was missing for a long time. The storytelling, the vivid imagery that she brings to it. And also like, she's just talented, incredibly talented. So what, what what's your viewpoint about Toronto and the city supporting its own compared to supporting entertainment forms from other countries? Do you see there's a disparity? I would say, like, I work, you know, like, day-to-day, I work in music as a publicist. Okay. So, and I've been working in music as a publicist, especially in hip-hop, for the past 11 years. So I've seen this transition in Toronto where we started with Sal, you know, that ended up running, is now running the weekend with XO. He's a manager. Um, and then we had like Manny, the same one, the group of them that were managing um, from Asari to Belly, and, and they still are and now running the weekend. Yeah. They're wonderful managers and they really changed the city, uh, especially people like Maestro and all of the Cardinal. They, they really put their hand on the city yeah. you know, back then um and then and they really opened the door for toronto music artists ever to go commercially on radio uh to make it go mainstream and they were fighting and they were doing it independently with like help of factor and at that time there was much music was, was doing grants as well too much back but not anymore but they were making you know they were making money and making more money off their artists and then helping their artists make money and making really great music so they put canada on the map then and then now, since they've gone in, now they're working at the weekend and they live in Los Angeles. They've become American, pretty much. They don't live here anymore. Yeah. But there is this difference. We're getting a little bit of a harder scene here than we've seen before because it was a little bit lighter and it was more commercial back then. Now we're getting, there's an underground scene, but it is harder and the sounds are harder. Yeah. And I know I talk about this with Maria all the time. It's not that I don't love being Canadian and everything we do, but it's hard here. It's hard. If you can break in Toronto, you can break anywhere. Yeah. Think about Toronto that, are, yeah, and a lot of people would agree with this. If you have a show and you can fill that show in that room, that's the most amazing thing that you can do because it is hard to get people in Toronto to go out to see shows. And it's and hopefully that will change. And we'll see. Hopefully after COVID it changes because everybody wants to get outside. Yeah. Uh, but there is something to that that, you know, hopefully, I hope that culture will change because we look at other cities, you know, the UK is such a music playground. We look at Los Angeles, we look at New York, you know, we look at Nashville, we look at all these places that are so easy to get people out. You know, mind you, they, they have more people living in their cities, yeah. but there are music cities and we're growing to be a music city, but the more that people go out and local people support their local talent, the more that talent will prosper and do well and, and grow. So I think we're hopefully going down that direction, but we'll see. I am with you 100%. I mean, I, I hearken to this, my last comment. Um, and to add on to Chrissy, I'll just say it again. Look, we have to support our own. We don't actively do it in the way that we're seeing, like Chrissy and I, our experiences bringing our show to the States and what we experience south of the border versus what we see in Canada is very, very different. Yes. Um, so what I do is I, I try and challenge myself and I challenge others around me to, to do that, to go out and every day try and find one new thing to listen to, one new podcast, one new artist, one new song. And before you know it, you know, you would have consumed a lot. You would have a very good opinion on 
and a barometer of what is good and bad in your own estimation. And you probably are you're supporting local artists. You can have dialogue about it. You can bring them to the table when you're having conversations with your friends. Like it's just that there's so much talent to be had within this city and this whole country that somehow just gets overlooked for some sort of Canadian conceit that we have developed over the years that yeah. says maybe somehow Canadian content isn't as good. But I think if we look at those who are making waves on the international, um, in that in international sphere, it's not the case anymore. Like, no. we're great people, we've got great talent. We just lack an internal support structure. And hey, you take a look at what's happening over in Montreal and in Quebec. Totally different. They yeah. have a support structure. They have publications. They are into cultural products that are coming from Quebec. I mean, even like, gosh, this is reaching. If anybody even knows this reference, Dubematic, which is a French hip hop artist uh, group that I listened to back in the nineties. Like, and I also I was in the East Coast, so yeah, yeah a little different. But I mean, that they were a big deal. They didn't exist anywhere else except for in Quebec. So I think there's a lot of lessons that we have even within looking at what's happening in Quebec on how they do their star structure and also just changes that we can do on our day-to-day basis in order to support each other. So I agree because with worldwide entertainment we reach different regions and how Atlanta and New York and LA look at Toronto, they think it's a bubbling city with a lot of artists but I think the artists in Toronto in the last couple of years they're probably now realizing they could support their own and it's actually cool to do so. Exactly. It's funny because when we're talking to other artists and when I talk to other artists I represent in the states, <clears throat> excuse me, they say the same thing. They're like Toronto's so hot right now, city's so hot. I'm like, can you tell that to our city? Yeah. Because I don't think we know that. Yeah. And I think we're slowly starting to realize that um, I would say maybe artists individually know that there's something going on here and they obviously appreciate their saint, their scene, but we need everybody to yeah. support the, the Yeah, the artists you know, definitely I, know. But right, the, and so I think it's the people that are going to consume the music that need to see that Toronto is cool. And, and that's a Canadian mentality, you yeah. know? We, we need to change that, I think, when it comes to supporting local and creating our own star status because we, we don't have that. And that's something that we have. Like Marie said, they have it in Quebec. They do. They have the voice. They have their own publications. They they consume their own music. Their their distribution down there is amazing. Here, it's just it's just not the same yet in English speaking in, in Canada. But I'm assuming that will change in the next ten years because Toronto's only getting bigger and better. So. Yeah. Oh, and actually, like you raise a really interesting point that just kind of inspires something in me, Chrissy. It's like it's almost like we don't have a lot of media in Canada, right? We have a lot of centralized media, and we have a lot of independent media in which we all kind of operate in. So if you think about accessing and, and rising, creating a base, a supportive base for artists, it is, it's almost democratic in that we as individuals have the power and every listen is a vote that says, you're cool, I support you. So we as individuals kind of have to take a hold of the reins in order to help people be discovered. We have to go and we have to participate in the process because we can't rely on the few media outlets that we have in Canada, mainstream media outlets, to pick up that slack. We don't have as much media as we have in the States. We don't have as many people as I have in the States. But what we do have is, you know, we have enough people to kind of 
generate some interest yeah. and create some buzz. You know, so I think there's a lot of responsibility on individuals, independent medias, in which we we sit in, um, to take that pressure off of the mainstream because you know that's like a few people that are holding the strings and they're doing a great job and they're doing what they can. But we have to keep in mind that we don't have as much. Yeah, and that's where podcast like yours comes in. And we yours, could give a new like, outlet to people to get exposure. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And the more that we have that, the more that people will be discovered and more people will do music and more talent will make money. The one thing I think is a misnomer is that you can't make money when you're an independent artist, and that's not true. You can make a really great living, even if you're not on the radio. That's <clears throat> probably Even if you're not on the radio or, you know, you're not getting a, a major amount of streams, there's other ways to make a lot of revenue being an independent artist and live you know, making an average. So I think a lot of people trying to get into the music industry think that they have to be a millionaire, but you love your craft. You don't, you don't have to be, keep doing it for the rest of your life and yeah. still live a really great lifestyle. So it's true. It really is true. So I seen in your bio that uh, the Global Mail proclaimed you the Zoe Deschanel. Is that? Zoe Deschanel. So yeah. <laughs> That was a long time ago, but yes, I'm very proud of it. <laughs> I mean, like, who doesn't love Zoe Deschanel? I love her in Elf, and I love her in New Girl. Uh, yeah, so that was that was it. There was a period where Global Mail was trying to identify some of the top blogs that were in the city. Uh, there was three of us picked on the list, and, yeah. and I was there in terms of talking about pop culture and the relevance of pop culture. My slogan at the time was for my site, Karma Cake, which is also my social ID, my moniker online. Um, it was love culture, even if it's pop. Yeah. So to go from that into all the pop repeat, it's like such an easy step Transition, into it. Yeah. Because, and then also... Whereas on Karma Cake, it was just me. The best thing about this project is to talk about it with Chrissy. <laughs> like, we both have very different perspectives, different loves, and different opinions on on how pop culture is formed. And to have that come together and like our what we call it our sync, which is the last um, about the last thirty minutes of the show. Yeah. It's uh, honestly, it's turning into what we're hearing back, the feedback that we're getting from people who are tuning in. It's turning into their favorite part of the show. They come in, they get that candy bit where it's the interview with a celebrity, and at the very end, they get to kind of be a part of Chrissy and I's world as we really get into the weeds and discuss, you know, how these topics came to be. So, yeah, I mean, Karma Cake is cool, but I love this project. Where could people hear your podcast at? Uh, they can go to altpoprepeat.com or we're on Instagram at altpoprepeat, A-L-T-P-O-P-R-E-P-A-T. Um, or they can follow, I'm at uh, Miss Bocab and Marie is at Miss uh, Karma Cake, Miss Karma Cake, at Karma Cake. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Karma Cake if you're nasty. Right. <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> Janet Jackson trademark. <laughs> yeah, are you kidding me? It's like my favorite, you know? We were re-listening to um, Rhythm Nation the other day, so I was like, Janet Jackson is dope. Yeah, yeah, she's legendary. Legendary. That whole family. (laughs) I know, right? So, but Janet is by far my favorite. And then, surprisingly, LaToya is number two. LaToya. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, nice, Marie. 
I do. I love them. I can't. Latoya is just such a character. I mean, I love her personality. I think she's funny, and I I appreciate just how she just doesn't seem to take things as seriously as the others do. She's the black sheep, and I'm into it. Yeah. <laughs> so, is there anything else you would like to say before you leave? That's it. Thank you That's for it. having us. Yeah, thank just you. a heartfelt thank you to having us on the show and allowing us to talk about our our little project and sharing a little bit about our show DMC, which again I highly recommend anybody who's tuning in to check it out because yeah. it's definitely one of our proudest proudest episodes uh, on the show. Obviously, lots of great episodes, but that one has a special place in our hearts. Let us know your thoughts below and hit that notification bell after subscribing.